Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got a really interesting show today because we're going to talk about the infertility journey. I know you've had miscarriages, and I know a lot of people that are watching the show have had miscarriages, but this is going to be a little different show today because we're going to talk about being involved with a surrogate and uh, having problems connected with that. So a little different take, but I know you're, we've got a fabulous person on and you're going to get some wonderful ideas. Do you want to introduce her, Hyde? Sure. And like you said, mom, I'm no stranger to the infertility journey because I was on my own infertility journey for many years. Um, and it's got a lot of ups and downs and emotions and it's a crazy journey. And Justine will talk to us about that today. Justine Folkler. Justine is an author, speaker, and a certified daring way and dare to lead facilitator. And this is based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown, who I love. Um, she is, has written some best-selling books. Um, she is an author of Ever Upward, The Mother of Second Chances, and The Complicated Gray. And she has also done two TED Talks, and I just listened to them this morning, and they're fabulous. And you can find them by Googling her name on the internet. So uh, welcome to the show, Justine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for watching my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, <be> <laughs> uh, really well done. Thank you. Your journey was incredibly different. Uh, in your talk, you talk about the fact that you had were misdiagnosed, you had a broken back, and, and you had surgeries and all that. So we want to skip to when you got married, decided you wanted to have kids, and... Yeah. So, I mean, my husband and I got married really looking at each other, not thinking we were going to have kids. I had really um, successfully denied myself the chance to motherhood, knowing that it probably would not be possible because of my back surgeries and because of the physical limitations of my body. Mm -hmm. um, and whether or not you want to call it God or the universe, biological clock, I don't know, or just meeting that person, um, I knew that I wanted to be a mother. And so surrogacy had started to get some media attention. And we literally, I, I wrote like a small, maybe six line email on a surrogacy website, just asking for information. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what this entails. I'm just looking to connect with anybody that will like give me any advice. And I was inundated immediately with messages from women. And it was my first um, experience of how supportive the infertility and loss community can be. Yeah. Um, especially when they do the work to be healthy. I, you know, that's kind of a, a caveat sometimes, but like I just got messages from women that, you know, had done lots of journeys. They had just finished a journey, but they weren't ready to start their journey, but they were willing to help me. And we were connected with uh, my surrogate, Michelle. A surrogate is someone who carries your child for you. And so, um, and there are several ways to be a surrogate. So traditional surrogacy typically involves, um, a donor egg or sometimes even the surrogate's egg and then the the husband or partner's sperm 
for the embryo. And then that woman carries the child. We oh, so Justine, is it ever your egg and your husband's sperm or no? Okay. Yes. So that's what, so that's what we did. So we did okay. gestational surrogacy. So what that meant is that, you know, I went through all of the infertility treatments, the in vitro fertilization. So we got my eggs. Um, then we combined them with Chad's sperm that we unfortunately only got a few embryos to the first round and one, the second round, we had two embryos, the first round, we transferred them. Um, and unfortunately, Michelle never even got pregnant. Um, despite having two very easy and successful pregnancies and, um, well, conceptions, pregnancies, and deliveries. And she had always known she wanted to be a surrogate and they knew that they were done with their family at two kids. And so she answered my ad and kind of the rest is history where they are part of our family. We are definitely extended family still to this day. And um, so you, you consider those two, two embryos as your children. I do. Yeah. And I never thought I would, you know, but um, I mean, they're eight cell globs in a black and white picture um, mm -hmm. and they are what I got. And I became a mother the first injection, right? Because I was dreaming of becoming a mother. I became even more a mother of a mother when I saw the eight cells, even more of a mother when I let them go to go into Michelle's womb and pray and hope and wish and all of it um, that they would take. And when we lost the two babies and never even a, prog a positive pregnancy test, we were faced with that decision of, you know, are we really going to try something one time that has a 30% chance of working. And mm -hmm. we had only planned on one round because that's all the money we had. We lost the two babies and um, we were blessed enough that next day to uh, take a loan out. And so we tried one more time. Um, I, I never had great numbers. So the second round, we only got one embryo and the same thing happened. She never got pregnant and that is what I call our enoughs and everythings. How far are you willing to go? Mm -hmm. How much money can you spend? How many losses can you endure? What is your enough and everything when sometimes we do have to make a decision to stop something before it destroys everything good about us? And it, I mean, it was one of the hardest decisions we've ever made. I will also say though that it was harder to make the decision to try the second round than it was to have the bittersweet clarity that the second round didn't work. Cause now we knew like, okay, we have a lifelong of grief in front of us. And we also have an answer. We're going to figure out how to make this life work without children, even though we really wanted them. And, and now you, you, you do consider yourself a mother of those two, those three. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you actually name them? No, I've never, you know, that's something that, since we never did any testing, I don't know their genders. I also had a lot of infertility in a journey and I had two miscarriages. The second one was a result of a car accident and it was through, it was through infertility that I got pregnant. But what I want to say is I, like you said something earlier about you finally realized that you were enough was enough and you were done. And I got to that point too. It's very individual for people. I, I was starting to feel like I was terminally ill because there were so many drugs in my system and I was going, getting blood tests and all sorts of things constantly. And after the second, after the, the accident and the second miscarriage, for me, I said, you know what, this is not good for me and my family and my husband, We're, we've got to stop. And it was a very personal decision and we did stop. We did end up adopting from a little girl from China 
But again, it's a very individual decision and everybody's got to do what's best for them. Right. So I like the, I appreciate that you, you were honest about saying, you know what, this was for me. I, I realized, okay, I needed to go to the next chapter. Right. And, you know, I always tell clients like you, you don't have to explain that decision to anyone. You must absolutely turn towards one another and know that there will be seasons throughout the journey and maybe even after the journey that you don't agree. And then that's okay. And you, that, that our jobs as, as partners is to turn towards one another and talk about it, to have the courage and the vulnerability to talk about it. And also at the same time, I think what's so unique about the infertility and loss journey is that you're always on this timeline. You're always moving forward to the next step. And so one of the best mantras I've, I've taught clients for years is like that mantra of like, I don't have enough information to make that decision right now. Like you don't know if you're going to need that next step. And so for me and Chad, like we knew that second round, like this was it, that was our enough and everything. I mean, the money was gone. Our hearts were broken. Our, the money was gone. And so that moment that you get that phone call that it didn't take it, I mean, it was crushing. It was almost more crushing that first phone call because I expected it to work. Right. And I, and I, I did, I thought that was our only chance, but that second round when it didn't take, it was clarity. It wasn't the clarity I wanted, but it was clarity. And it was, then it was kind of like, okay, so now we have to figure out how to rebuild. Of course, after the, you know, a, the deepest, darkest hole of grief I've ever experienced in my life. And there are still going to be days like that, but that decision is for every couple or woman individually and we don't have to explain it to anybody at all and i think the other thing that people out there that have not experienced this kind of loss have to realize is that when we are like working so hard to have a baby the minute we think that it, there it, there might be a possibility we're in the future the baby's going to be born here they're going to be this age there i mean we're we're grieving not only what we lost but we're grieving our future with that child, what our life is going to look like going forward without that child. Absolutely. That lifetime of wonders. Now tell me, how did you feel the moment that you heard that the surrogate was pregnant with her own child after you decided? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, So that's one of the biggest, there's two huge twists to our story. Um, Michelle, my surrogate and I, we always joke that um, there will be a lifetime movie about us one day. I've upgraded us to Hallmark. I think it's gonna be a Hallmark movie. But um, one of those big twists is that you know, four months after we ended our journey, she um, went off birth control because infertility treatments are all synthetic hormones, and it really messes up your body. And so, um, just stuff stopped working, and she started getting migraines, and so she went off the birth control, and and they got um, unexpectedly pregnant um, with their third. Tipton will be six in June already. Um, and he, um, when I, when she made that phone call, I have no doubt it was the most difficult phone call of her life. Um, and I, I knew like it was probably total shock. I like, I couldn't believe it. And I am such a different person now than I was then. And that first thought, I'm not sure that there's any other thought than to have like what the hell like that that's not fair i mean it was the ultimate stab in the back by god or the universe whatever you want to call it like i paid thirty thousand dollars to get her pregnant right and she got pregnant for free and she got pregnant with some cheap wine did she she, when you see him do you think about your baby absolutely 
I, again, have a very similar situation to you. My yeah. sisters and I decided to get pregnant together. Um, and we all made it that we all said, let's do this together so we can have cousins. And both of my sisters got pregnant. I had a miscarriage. Their sons are both 17 today. And it, for years, I did, I did think about that. I thought, wow, my baby was going to be 17 and grow up with these boys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to, to hear that, you know, you're, you're seeing him and you're in touch with him and what that brings up. Yeah. That's, you know, as the years have gone on and as my, my own personal work in grief has gone on, um, I mean, it's, tra it's trauma. So it can and will live in our bodies. Um, and, and it will be there forever. I think it's especially, I think no matter what the grief and loss is, it's a lifelong loss because it's forever. I mean, every year that passes, like they would have been six. What Christmas would, what would Christmas had been like this year with six-year-olds and like, or to see Tipton turning six, it's like, okay, I know without a shadow of a doubt that he is supposed to be here. He is a gift from God for all of us for so many reasons. And at the same time, I, I can trust that gift and there's room for the, the loss and the grief and the sadness that I feel and the wonders of my own. I can trust the story and I can still wrestle with the story. There is room for both. And I think- uh, I like that you're saying that, that there's room for both. Yeah. Like that has been what my first TED talk, The Permission of the And, you know, when I, when I did that TED talk a year and a half ago, um, at that point, I thought of the permission of the and. The permission of the and is the space between. It is the dark and the light. It is the hard and the easy. It is the joy and the sadness. It is the surrender and the trust. It is the muck that we have to walk into that is very uncomfortable because it is there that our healing and our magic and our clarity lie. And what I have learned in the last probably two years is that it is not a space to stay stuck because I've, I've had that used against me since the Ted talk. People are like, well, I'm just in the permission of the end. I'm just feeling it both. Yeah. And you're choosing to stay stuck in it. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not a place. It's a tool. It's a tool to give yourself permission to feel it all because I am a forever grieving mother. And I am a woman who does the work to make it a gift. I'm, I do the work every day to make it a gift because I refuse to be a sad, bitter shell of who I once was. And when I give myself permission to feel it all, to, to wrestle within that tension, that's where that healing lies. Powerful. Well, I wanna say you're a mother with no living children. I think it's important for people to hear that because it's a, it's a tug, you know, you, you are mothers. I mean, if you feel that you're a mother and you don't have children, you, you're mothers, a miscarriage, surrogate, whatever. Um, but there is an organization called Alive Alone, Kay Brevington's organization. I was telling you about it. People can go online for a resource and, and look at uh, Alive Alone. Uh, and that are people that get together who have no, who are parents with no living children. And also they can work with you, right? Yeah, so I have I have a ton of different resources out there, and a lot of them are free. I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements and retreats and trainings and teaches, and so um, I have several online programs that I do, and so and then obviously my books too. I I am a mother, um, and and that definitely 
that trauma is true. Like just this weekend, I, I was at a retreat with 35 women and I'm the only one in the room without living children. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and if you, if I allow my shame to take it even further, I'm the only one that's not a mother period because my babies never took a breath of this earth's fresh air. I never got to meet them. I parent them from this side of eternity. And so, and at the same time, I am absolutely a mother every day to them and to a lot of people in the world. I once had a woman look at me and she goes, you know, I have no doubt that uh, your three are very proud of you. And she goes, for me, I am grateful that they made you the mother that they did because you are mothering mothers. I own it. And I say, we tried really hard to have kids, but we couldn't. And we live a child-free, not by choice life. And I get two responses to that. I get the, oh, you poor thing. I just can't imagine pity party. Mm -hmm. Or I get the quick fix. Why don't you just adopt or try another round? Mm -hmm. And I, and through these years, especially lots of my work, those responses absolutely come from love and curiosity and ignorance. People don't know, but most of all, they come from that place of people are uncomfortable with being vulnerable. They think that just because they've never lost a child, that they can't identify with what I am feeling. They can, they're human. They know what grief and sadness and anger and bitterness feels like. Healing will only take place in connection. Healing only takes place when you grab your courage and you choose to get uncomfortable and vulnerable and sit beside me with my pain without a simple answer, which yep, that usually just means the only words that you have and that are helpful in that moment are, this sucks. You choose to live a child-free life with joy. The easiest place to find me is my website, justinefrolker.com. I have a pretty, um, I share on Instagram and Facebook quite a bit. I'm just real authentic writing the how of how to live your life in your mm-hmm. sacred truth. We want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and please spread the word about Justine and about Open to Hope. And again, thanks for watching this show and God bless. Thank you. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.